Today's reading comes from Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, tonight uh, we come to bear witness to the greatest miracle the world has ever known, uh, the miracle of Jesus. The eternal Son of God who dwells in infinite power and glory, humbling himself to become poor and powerless and live among us full of grace and truth. Father, you sent your only begotten Son into the world not to condemn, but to save, not to destroy, but to redeem, not to punish, but to set free. And all you ask in return is that we receive him, <laughs> believe him, trust him. So tonight, I, I pray for everybody here this evening, everybody watching online. I pray, God, and ask for a supernatural, life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Open eyes, transform hearts, bring light out of darkness, bring life out of death. Awaken us from our deep, deep slumber and make us alive again. This we pray in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Well, I am uh, not as old as Gary. Um, I, this is my 21st time 
uh, preaching the gospel on Christmas Eve, 14 of which have been at Pepsi. And um, it's, a, it's, Gary said, it's just such a privilege to share this story each and every year. Kind of reminds me, I mean, it doesn't, it really never does get old because it is the greatest story, right, ever told. And it's the greatest story ever told because it's true. Amen? Amen. It's true, right? It actually took place. It's amazing, right? It kind of reminds me, as I was thinking about it, of when my daughter was, my oldest daughter was very young. She was about two years old, probably. Um, and, and she was at that age when kids seemingly never, ever, ever get tired. Any parents here know what I'm talking about? Moms and dads, right? You, you, know how, you know what I'm talking about. You can play game after game after game after game, and they always want more, right? And so Chloe was at that age, and she was so sweet. Uh, she's still sweet, by the way, at 24. I don't want to get in trouble when I get home tonight. But um, she was just learning her words, and, and it was so cute. And whenever we'd finish a game, she'd look at me with those big, beautiful eyes of hers, and she'd say, Adi, Daddy, Adi, and that was her way of saying, Again, Daddy, again, and who could resist that? And so, of course, we'd play again and again and again until I was finally exhausted and we had to quit. Well, um, that's what I think about when I think about uh, the Christmas story each year. I just find myself praying to our Heavenly Father, Adi, Daddy, Adi, do it again. Do it again. Make yourself known to us. Make yourself known in the person of Jesus Christ. Right. Extend that invitation to us once again to have a relationship with you, to know you, to trust you, to believe in you, to fall in love with you. That, that is your great desire. We know this. We know that God's desire is for all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, the truth of how much he loves us, the truth that he has chosen not to be God without us, the truth that he is even now, as I share with the kids, preparing a place for us to be with him for all eternity, a place with our name on it. That's why God sent his one and only begotten son that first Christmas Eve. He wanted to deliver this good news of great joy in person. He wasn't content to send an angel or some other divine messenger. He wasn't going to let creation speak for him. He refused to send a proxy or a servant. He did not want to keep us guessing or leave us hanging. No, by sending Jesus, he left no doubt about what he's all about. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is Jesus, Yeshua, our Savior. And he is Christ, our Messiah, our Lord. And this is good news. Amen? Amen. Yeah. You know, I meet a lot of people in my line of work. And... Um, most days you can find me down at FICA on Main Street or at the tailgate or some other place around town meeting with folks from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different faith traditions, many without any faith at all. And, and most of them have all kinds of ideas about God. And one of the things I'm always struck by is by the number of people, even Christians, who believe that somehow the gospel is bad news. And this fundamental belief deep down inside that God has it out for them. That, that, you know, God must be sitting on his throne in heaven dreaming up all kinds of ways to squash their fun or make their lives miserable or steal all their joy. And i got to admit, I am baffled when I hear these things because they don't square with the Christmas story at all. They don't square with the character of Jesus at all. They don't, they don't square or align with what God says about himself at all. And so why is it that we believe all the bad news when the story of Christmas is all about the good news? Perhaps it's because we live in a world where we're conditioned, right, to expect the worst rather than the best, even of God. 
We live in a world that trades on outrage and hate, that's driven by fear and anxiety, a world that isolates, makes us feel all alone, a world that steals our hope, makes us feel helpless in the face of all our challenges. Yeah, it's hard in such a world to believe there is good news. Hard to believe there can be great joy. Hard to believe that God's grace is so broad and so expansive that it would include all people everywhere. A good friend shared with me the other day that she doesn't think she'll ever find true happiness ever again. Man, that is really tough. It was heartbreaking to hear. Maybe that describes how you're feeling tonight. I don't know. But I tell you what, I get it. I really do. I've been there. I know what that kind of despair tastes like and smells like and feels like and looks like. And I am here to tell you, friends, there is good news. That's what the angels came to proclaim that first Christmas night. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people everywhere and every time and place and every language and culture. Nobody left out. That's how good our God is. And you know what? No matter where you go in the world today, and i got to tell you, I've been to lots of places, right? One of the things that human beings all have in common is Fear. So much to be afraid of in this world. So much to be anxious about. So many things outside our control that press in upon us cause us all kinds of pain and suffering and grief and heartache. But the good news of Christmas, friends, is that we don't have to be afraid anymore. Because of Jesus, we can put aside all our anxiety. We can let go of all of our fears. We can let go of our fears of not getting our needs met. Why? Because we have a Heavenly Father who knows our needs even before we know them. And He promises promises to give us bread, not a stone when we ask him, right? We can let go of our fear of not being good enough because our Heavenly Father has already declared us loved and accepted. We are made in his image and likeness. We don't have to be afraid of our past because God has already wiped that slate clean. We can let go of our fear of the present because God is standing at our side, working on our behalf. We can let go of our fear of the future because God's already there working all things out for our good. We can even let go of our fear of death because this world is not all there is. And God has promised us the gift of eternal life. And this is why the gospel is good news of great joy for all people. It means we finally get to let go of all the fears that have haunted the human race for so many centuries. Amen? Yeah. You say, well, that all sounds great. But maybe you're not convinced. I mean, how do we know these things are true, right? I mean, every religion basically promises the same thing, right? I mean, they all promise a way to human happiness and fulfillment. They all project some kind of perfect vision of the afterlife. They, they all have similar codes of ethics, right? This has been true of every religion, right, since the beginning of humankind. So what is it that makes Christianity different? Well, I'm glad you asked. And I'm glad you're here tonight to find out, right? It's a great question, right? And friends, it's because of this child. It's because of this child. Born of a virgin, lying in a manger, the main event in human history. Jesus is the one whose birth literally flips our calendars, right? Marks an epical change in the course of human events. Billions of children have been born throughout centuries, right, of human existence. And yet it is only Jesus' birth that we come to celebrate year after year after year. Why do you think that is? It is because Jesus is no ordinary child. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There may not be a more important verse in the Bible. It tells us everything we need to know about Jesus, and it also answers the deepest questions of the human heart. For unto us, the Bible says, Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. God for us. And that means we are never, ever alone. Now think about that for just a moment. I mean, that is such good news. The Surgeon General of the United States himself recently came out and said that loneliness is now at an epidemic level. It's a public health crisis. It puts us at greater risk of heart disease. It negatively impacts our cognitive functioning. It can lead to higher rates of depression and anxiety and self-harm and suicide. Of course it does. Because if you think you are all alone in this world, if you don't think you have anybody standing at your side, if there is no one who is for you, if you think everybody is against you, that's a rough way to live. And yet so many in our world live that way. And you know what? God hates that. He hates what it does to us. It hates what it does to those around us. And so what does God do about it? He comes to be with us. Comes to do life alongside us. Comes to initiate a relationship with us. He wants us to know that he is always there for us. 24-7, 365. There's never a moment when he is not at our side. And if you have any doubts about that, all you have to do is look at Jesus. Right? He, look at how he lived. Look at how he died. Look at how he rose again. Jesus always keeps his promises. He guarantees them with his life, seals them with his death, fulfills them with his resurrection, and brings them to final completion when he comes again. This is the baby that lies in that manger, friends. He literally peeled back the dimensions of time and space to come to be with you, to come to be with me. And that's what we mean when we say he's Emmanuel. And that's good news. Amen? Amen. Well, not only does Jesus come to be with us, he comes to save us. And this means things are never hopeless, no matter how dark they may get. You know, I know life can be hard at times. I mean, the burdens we carry may seem unbearable. The obstacles we face may seem insurmountable. The challenges overwhelming. I have been there. I know what it's like to be on public assistance and not sure how you're going to make ends meet, right? I I know that. I know what it's like to look at your four children and wonder how you're going to get them fed this month. I know what it's like to have your reputation attacked and your character assassinated. I know what it's like to have your career come crashing down around you. I know what it's like to be on the verge of divorce and losing your family. I have been through all those things and more, friends. I have had my life stripped down to the studs and have spent months cursing God. And after I exhausted myself assailing the heavens, Who do you think I found there waiting for me? Jesus. That's right. My Savior. And he reached down into the pit where I found myself. And all he asked was that I would place my life in his hands. Let him do his saving work in and through me. And friends, I have never, ever looked back. He pulled me up out of that pit, set my feet on the rock, made my footsteps firm. And now I'm singing a new song. And you too didn't come up with those lyrics. That's in the Bible, all right? That's right out of the Psalms. I know some of you thought that, right? And I know I'm not alone. I know hundreds of people in this church family alone who could give a similar testimony. Jesus doesn't just come to be with us, friends. He doesn't just come to wallow with us in our misery. No, he comes to save us. He comes to deliver us. He comes to rescue us. And that's why with Jesus, there is always hope. And that's good news. Amen? Amen. Well, not only is Jesus Emmanuel, not only is he our Savior, he is also Christ our Lord. 
All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. After his resurrection, he ascended into heaven where he sits even now, right now in this moment, at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all he has made. He holds all the power in the universe in his hands, and that means there is nothing beyond his reach, nothing beyond his grasp. You say, well, why then is the world so broken? Why is the world in such desperate straits? Why then is there so much suffering and death? Friends, it's because Jesus made a decision way back in eternity that he has never backed away from. He created a being in his own image and likeness. He, he called the creature, one creature man and the other one woman. And, and he told them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and exercise dominion over all he had made. You see, he entrusted this world into our hands, friends, and that's why the world is the way that it is. Humanity is responsible for the mess that we have made. But rather than, step, rather than step in then and remove our free will, take away our capacity to choose good and evil, light and darkness, mercy and violence, love and hate, Christ our Lord has instead chosen to continue to work in us and through us and with us to bring about his peace, his shalom, his wholeness, his healing upon the earth. Our Jewish friends call this tikkun olam, the repair of the world. It's why he gives us his Holy Spirit, friends. He literally comes to indwell us in order to empower us to live the lives that he created us to live so that the world and those around us might be blessed. Why else do you think we're planting churches all over the Horn of Africa and places like Ethiopia and Uganda and South Sudan and you know, Djibouti and, and Somalia and these other places because there's so much suffering there. Starvation and drought and disease and abuse and violence. I've been there. I've seen it firsthand. But man, when a church gets planted, we see all kinds of redemptive lift as the gospel begins to change how people see themselves, how they see one another, how they see the land, how they see the world. It's amazing. It's powerful. I've been to most of the villages that you saw in that video. I've worshipped with those beautiful, precious people. And I have heard testimony after testimony after testimony, especially from the women and the children talking about how life is so much better because of Jesus. He is now Lord of their lives and Lord of their homes and Lord of their villages. And as a result, there is blessing. And guess what? We want him to be Lord of our lives, Lord of our homes, Lord of our communities as well. And let me be quick to say, this isn't about power, so don't get confused. That's not why Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. No, the power of Jesus is the power to serve. It's not about force or coercion. It's the power to love. It's the power to lay down our lives for the sake of others. That's what it means to honor Jesus as Lord. And that's why it's good news. Amen? Amen. Well, what an amazing God we worship and adore, right? I mean, there's no other God like him. And he answers our deepest questions, and he addresses our deepest fears, and he, he, he attends to our deepest needs, and he does it in a way that we can understand. Man, he, he, he doesn't make promises he doesn't keep. He doesn't say things he doesn't mean. He doesn't lie or change his mind. He doesn't speak to us in a language that we can't understand. No, he comes to us. He becomes one of us. I love how God works. He knows us so well. He meets us right where we are, and he reveals himself in a way we can understand, never over our heads, never too deep or complex. He kneels down, and he gets on our level. Luke chapter 2, verse 12, and this will be the sign. Think of all the signs God could have chosen. This will be the sign. A baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, 
lying in a manger. A baby in a manger? I mean, could there possibly have been a better sign, right? We all know what it's like to be a baby. We, we all know what it's like to be a child, to grow up in this world. And guess what? Jesus does as well. Born in the entryway of a first century home where the animals were kept at night because the guest rooms in the house were already full, surrounded by animals and people from the lowest rungs of the economic and social ladder of his day, in a backwater town, in a backwater province, in the greatest empire of the time, despite his decree, Caesar Augustus wouldn't have been able to find Bethlehem on a map. Quirinius would never have heard of Jesus all the way over in Syria. Even King Herod wouldn't have heard of Jesus up the road 10 kilometers in Jerusalem, except for the fact that these wise men from the east come looking for him a few years later. Jesus' birth barely moves the needle in the halls of power, and yet it changes the world. Of course it did, because Jesus is no ordinary child. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, son of the Most High, Jesus is both fully God and fully human. He is the Word of God made flesh. He is eternity breaking into our reality. He is the holy hidden in the lowly. He is infinity hidden in particularity. He is the Almighty shrouded in vulnerability. He is glory veiled in obscurity. He is majesty clothed in humility. He is God with us. He is God for us. He is God come to rescue us. He is God come to claim us. He is Jesus. Amen? And that is great news. Amen? All right. Praise God. And that same Jesus, friends, is here with us tonight. Where two or three are gathered in my name, he says, I will be there in the midst of them. And he invites us to join him at his table this Christmas Eve. This is what I love about Jesus. He gets on our level, right? He doesn't give us some sacred mystery that we can't understand. No, he gives us bread. And he blesses it and he breaks it and he says, take and eat. This is my body given for you. He takes a cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink of it, I want you to remember that I have forgiven all your sins. Remember what I have done for you. The Apostle Paul says, every time we eat the bread and drink the cup, We proclaim the Lord's saving death until he comes again. We proclaim the miracle of Jesus until he comes again. Friends, when you came in, you should have gotten one of these, uh, I'm not, communion kind of chalice things with bread in it. If you need one, we've got our deacons here to distribute. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on back up, and our kids are going to be coming in to join us in a minute here as well as we finish off our time together. What a glorious thing God has done. Mystery shrouded in something so simple. Something so, I mean, it's just amazing. And he does it for us. And for all of those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, he says this meal is for you. You're you're sitting at his table. You're part of his family. And he loves that you're here. And, And if you're here tonight and you're not sure about Jesus, I'm here to tell you he wants you at his table too. And now's a great time. Now's a great time to receive him into your heart. It's okay to, to not receive him if, you, if you're not sure, you know, and you don't know that if you believe, come talk to me after the service. We'd love to, again, just walk you through the journey, all right? It's an amazing thing what God has done. Such a simple thing again. Jesus says, taste and see that I am good, that my mercy endures forever. 
He says, I'm the bread of life. He or she who comes to me will hunger no more. And he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Abide with me and I will abide with you. Father, it's um, such a small thing and yet such a powerful thing. It's a foretaste, of course, of what's to come. A feast, Lord, that you are preparing for us in heaven. And one day, God, we're going to get to be there. We're going to get to sit at that table and we're going to get to rejoice with our extended family made up of every tribe, tongue, and nation around the world. And until that great day comes, God, we pray that you would fill us up with your Holy Spirit, that we might take this good news of great joy to the world that we might share with those around us. Father, for all of these things, we give you thanks. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.